Hi, Andy. Hi, Victoria. I am delighted that our next guest is Belle Ruth Napperstack. She is a pioneer in developing guided imagery and has reached millions of people with her guided imagery materials. She's also a longtime friend and colleague. And she's taught at our center for some years now. The fellows just love her. At the end of this episode, we have uploaded a four-minute guided imagery session for you to experience. Good. This will be fun. It's my pleasure today to introduce Belle Ruth Snapperstack. She's a clinical social worker and guided imagery pioneer, and she's created 80 or more guided imagery audio programs and also founded Health Journeys, which produces and distributes mind-body programs. Belle Ruth has written three books, Staying Well with Guided Imagery, Your Sixth Sense, and Invisible Heroes, Survivors of Trauma, and How They Heal. The last focuses on imagery and post-traumatic stress. Prevention Magazine notes that Belle Ruth has been creating an underground revolution among mainstream health and mental health bureaucracies by persuading major institutions such as the U.S. Army, the VA, the American Red Cross, Aetna, and many more organizations to distribute her guided imagery recordings, in many cases, free of charge to recipients. Welcome, Belle Ruth. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Two of my favorite people. So, Belle Ruth, I think it would be great to begin with definitions. Tell us, what is guided imagery, and how is it different than meditation or mindfulness? Well, I'm so glad you asked, because lately everybody is totally confusing meditation with mindfulness and doesn't know the difference. That's probably because of the success of Headspace. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Let me get back to your question. (laughs) Guided imagery is a form of guided meditation. Guided meditation is actually a huge umbrella category under which it can fall. It's also a form of hypnosis. The most potent guided imagery, in my opinion, is the kind that's done in an altered state, which becomes the power cell for driving all kinds of coherent response from the person. So... What is it? It's a kind of deliberate, directed daydreaming where you're actually voting for something with your imagination. Unlike mindfulness, which has a neutral attitude towards outcome, guided imagery is actually aiming to use your imagination and all of your sensory memory to envision and encapsulate a successful experience of something you're seeking. Bell Ruth, I've heard you say that guided imagery is the lazy man's meditation. How is it easier than meditating? Yeah. Well, it's also the lazy woman's. Just <laughs> Thank you for that correction. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, because, it, you know, and especially in these days when people are so stressed and under the gun and feeling like they're at, they're they're just using every ounce of bandwidth they've got to get through the day. You don't want them to have to acquire the discipline of mindfulness. This is not the time to learn an exquisite practice, but that takes effort and is not going to immediately reward you necessarily. So 
it basically does the work for you, especially if, with a recording where base, the instruction is press play. If you don't like it, press pause. You know, it, it's that simple. And Bill Ruth, is it necessary to rely on visual imagination for that? Because some people say that they're not good visualizers. Right. About 45% of the population will probably say that to you. Mm -hmm. And no, in fact, uh, probably, probably kinesthetic uh, sensation and emotional sensation and all of your other senses play into this. And people think they know their visual or their auditory, but actually we don't know exactly what combinations will ping the best on us. So it's good to try them all. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, and I, I never call it visualization for that reason. It's misleading. And give us a sense of where guided imagery is particularly useful. I know it's been really broadly applied, but help our listeners understand this. Okay, well, I can tell you what the research says, but let me tell you what I think first. <laughs> 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 I think it's particularly useful for any kind of um, emotional challenge, depression or anxiety. It was made to order for coping with anxiety, traumatic stress. It is a beautiful intervention for traumatic stress, and it has within it the ability to cushion an intervention in ways that lots of things don't or can't. It's very good for helping people recover from stroke or bodily injury. It's wonderful for pre-surgical uh, use for better outcomes, quicker recovery, uh, less bleeding during surgery. It's, oh gee, it's, it's terrific for all of those neuromotor problems like Parkinson's and, and stroke because you can envision movement in a way that athletes do. And that's another thing. It's really good for athletic performance or any kind of performance under pressure. One of the places that people use guided imagery is pre-surgery, to prepare for a successful surgery. And I know you've done work in that field and actually research in that field. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly effective. Kaiser Permanente started using uh, pre-surgical guided imagery, and then Blue Shield of California did a study of it. And this was a single-blinded study with about, I think it was 335 patients. And what they found was guided imagery alone reduced blood flow by some phenomenal amount. But we also found that they, all, they, they recovered faster, they, it cost less, it cost, it cost a health plan, an average of something like $2,000 less per hysterectomy in 2001 dollars. So anyway, it ended up showing lots of less pain medication, less return visits, less complications. It was shocking, actually, what I, what I saw and heard. So there are, and there have been several studies since then. So even with one-day surgeries, ambulatory surgeries, they're significantly reduced. That's another example of how this meditation stuff can change hard values in so many places. So that's Bill, one of the questions I get frequently is, can I do this on my own or do I have to do it with a practitioner? 
And actually, there are two very different ways to use guided imagery. They're both terrific. It depends on what you like best. But no, you can get a, a really good audio recording and use that. Or you, or you can, if you're somebody who really does want to have a more interactive experience where you do some, you're guided to do some imagining, um, you come up with something and you keep getting these wonderful prompts from a practitioner. So that's interactive guided imagery. It's one-on-one. -on -one. You can also use it very well in a group. Yeah. Can you describe for our listeners what a typical interactive guided imagery session is like? What does it look like? Yeah, sure. So, so we just did something like this with, uh, with, for, the, for a VA training where this, this terrific practitioner, David Gaffney, was, was working with a veteran who had a bunch of pesky symptoms, including neuropathy in his feet. So he basically asked him what his favorite place to go was for soothing and relaxation. Marty came up with this beach place where he goes before the sun comes up and meditates. Then he had him walking in the sand, asking him what the sensations were. He, he prompted him to start feeling the sand on his feet, between his toes. Then he, he basically asked Marty, um, I, I think you might be getting a surprise. You're, you're, I want you to open your eyes, look around, and see at the beach a surprise. I think something's coming. And Marty goes, and it was really funny because it's a big, tough, burly veteran, right? He gets this soft smile on his face, and he says, it's my puppy. <laughs> and, 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 and David, David goes, well, of course, it's your puppy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a wonder, and he just kept feeding the experience to the point that um, his his feet really did feel a lot more sensation, were very different than when he started, and he, he ended up with an anchoring advice, uh, device, which was holding his puppy in his arms, and whenever he wanted to get that feeling back, more sensation in his feet, he would, he would apply this hug. Anyway, wow. Brilliant. It was fabulous. And it was about 40 minutes long. When I was a fellow in integrative medicine, I trained in interactive guided imagery. And we used to use it with our patients in the clinic. I remember doing this setup, which is a little bit long, because first you take someone through progressive muscle relaxation and you help them relax. And eventually, maybe after like three or four minutes, you say something like, imagine yourself in a place that is safe and comfortable, a place that you've never been before or one that you go to all the time or one that you've always wanted to go to. And then you pause and you say, tell me where you are. And I always expected that the patient would say, well, what are you talking about? I'm in the clinic with you on the sixth floor of the University Medical Center. And that never happened. Never. Every single time the patient would tell me these spectacular places they had gone to in their imagination. It's true. And there was a tremendous amount of conversation among the VA clinicians about that. Like, oh, are they going to think I'm what a jerk? What, you know, how silly that is. Nobody thinks it's silly. They're there. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your VA work. I know some years ago when you came and taught for us at the uh, Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona, you actually had us listen to a guided imagery that had like a preface, and the preface was a drill sergeant. Can you talk about that and maybe a little bit of how, it, how you began to work at the VA? <laughs> Yes, but before I do, can I make a point because I'll forget. Yes. When you were saying it takes so long, you got to do this setup and then you have to do this and that. Um, we all thought that back in the day, but the fact of the matter is people have been asking more and more for five and 10 minute guided imagery interventions. And lo and behold, I was very resistant to the idea you really can do a lot in five or 10 minutes. And it's... It's surprising, shocking, and really nice. Okay, so I wanted to say that. But okay, so so yeah, this was another Dave. <laughs> he does not mind my using his name. This was a drill sergeant who had suffered some severe trauma. He had been uh, in one of the early uh, Iraq wars, came back um, very tra- very traumatized, difficult, edgy. He's an intense power-packed little guy anyway. His uh, long story short, he suffered a terrible loss. His, his oldest son committed suicide with a shotgun in his bedroom. And uh, he just had a terrible time recovering from that. He knew he needed help. And he went to the clinic to get some help, to behavioral help. He got a very young uh, psychologist intern probably, who was just flummoxed by his sheer intensity. And she basically made a terrible clinical error. She basically said, you know what, you need to listen to this tape. It's like, you know, let's put you in the quiet room and get you to calm down so I can deal with you. Anyway, he ends up in this room. He gets a very luxurious uh, lounge chair. He gets the things over his eyes, the special headset that delivers perfect guided imagery. Here he is, so pumped up, so agitated, and he gets this um, this woman's voice, and it's it's like she's all calm and cool and soothing, and I her. <laughs> So, so he basically ripped off the equipment, goes storming out of the room and says, I hate that woman. I am never coming back here. You guys suck. And he left. Okay. So about a year later, when the, the army is setting up different patient home center clinics, they, a guy shows up, the doc shows up, and he too is someone whose son committed suicide. And somebody said to him, look, you gotta, maybe you should even stay with Dave because you, he could really use your wisdom and experience. So he did. He, he stays with Dave and he's having dinner with the family and they're talking about this loss in this kind of very cerebral uh, way. And, and the doc says to him, you know, I want you to listen to something. I, I want you to just trust me and let me play you something. I think it could help you. So he puts on this CD, and lo and behold, it's it's me again uh-huh. saying, you know, calming words. And he basically just said, I know that tape. I hate that woman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so George the doc says, please, just 
sit with me here and listen to it. So he, he did. And he did ultimately benefit from it to the point that he and his family listened to it every night. But he said to George before he left, somebody should tell that lady she can't start that way with people like me. <laughs> you know? And so George says, call her up. She'll listen to you. So he did. He called me up and he gave me great advice. So great that I asked him to make an introduction for people like him. That's my story. Uh, Bell Ruth, do you find that kids have a great aptitude for guided imagery? Oh, yeah. They hardly need us at all. We like getting away. Yeah. They're amazing. And they're doing it all the time. Actually, you can just touch into what they're doing and they'll tell you. But if you, if you also hand them a recording, they're wonderful at that, too. And the thing is, the best kid of all is a teenager. Huh. They're already running around in this hormone soup. They're in a built-in trance, and they respond to it so well. But clinicians can be fooled by their curling lip and rolling eyes. You know? <laughs> Just <ignore> that. <laughs> well, is there anyone who you would say avoid guided imagery with? Yes. I think there are some trauma survivors who can be triggered by the sound of a hypnotic human voice. That's one thing. Um, I think some people just don't like being guided by anybody's voice. And uh, they would do well with some other kind of an intervention. That's pretty much it, really. I used to say super psychotic people in active cycles of psychosis shouldn't listen to it. But I don't even think that's true. Too many people have told me, no, you know, actually, I used it on our ward with completely actively delusional and psychotic patients and it worked out they listen they're fine they come down body of wonder is produced by the andrew weil center for integrative medicine at the university of arizona internationally recognized for innovative health and wellness programs evidence-based research and clinical standards during this unprecedented time managing the physical and emotional challenges of the coronavirus the andrew weil center is here to support you the center offers listeners a wide range of free resources to live and maintain a healthy lifestyle, including online learning, meditations, and short videos. To find out more, go to azcim.org slash podcast. That's azcim.org slash podcast. Do you get referrals from physicians? Uh, how many physicians do you think are aware of the existence of this therapy and its utility? You know, it's a great question. It's changed a lot over the years, but I still would say that, that we get the most um, referrals from nurses, nurses with hands-on experience, second by social workers, maybe pastors. Mm -hmm. But a lot of physicians, especially physicians trained by you guys at the <laughs> University of Arizona, bless your hearts, they totally get it and they promote it. And of course, coming from somebody who's like either a department chair or somebody who's running a unit, it means all the world to the staff. They'll do it. They'll try it. Andy, you've been a huge proponent of mind-body medicine. I'm going to put that question back to you. How, how do you get doctors to appreciate the value of guided imagery and other mind-body therapies? Well, as you know, Victoria, the problem is that these run up against the, the, uh, the dogma 
uh, of the materialistic paradigm that dominates uh, our form of medicine and science. And that paradigm says that uh, changes in a physical system must have physical causes. So there cannot be non-physical causation of physical events. <laughs> and using the mind to influence the body is non-physical causation of physical events. So that's just not allowed for in the way of thinking that medical doctors are trained in. So we are working to, to change that. You know, uh, mind-body medicine is a major plank of integrative medicine. And I think it is very important to get people to understand how useful and also how time-effective and cost-effective these methods are. And they're even fun. Yeah, and I would say, especially now that that we have functional MRIs, for instance, that really show that this, this intervention, say guided imagery, really does cause different muscles to fire and different cells to, to activate. You can see that there really is physical causation. Same thing with the more sophisticated blood and saliva assays. They change biochemistry. So it's harder to argue with and really I found I haven't really had to work very hard to make that case lately. That's great. I, I agree with you. I think that's changed. That also this has made placebo responses much more understandable by, by showing people that there are real neurological correlates of these. So yes, that's all, all to the good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very happy I stayed alive this long. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see guided imagery's progress over all these years? Do you think it's it's made advances or has changed in any way that you could describe? One of the things I find incredible about guided imagery is how accessible it is. They're at everybody's fingertips for free at any time. And so I find myself recommending the use of guided imagery more than ever because it is so accessible, it's free, and the wide range of voices, lengths, applications, whether it's sleep or stress or uh, athletic performance, it's just an incredible depth and breadth that's available to patients. Well, what I see, Bell Ruth, is in our fellowship training over the years is that the practitioners who are exposed to guided imagery and learn about it get very excited about it. No, it's fun, as I said, and I think they then see the possibilities for using this in their practice, for either learning it themselves or, or knowing how to refer people to it. Yeah, it is fun, and um, it, it's much easier if you can just give people a sample of it. It sounds a little odd if you just try to describe it cognitively, but the experience is, is pretty powerful and fun. I agree, fun. Got to have fun. You said that guided imagery is made to order for anxiety. At this particular moment in time, we're recording this during the coronavirus pandemic, lots of people are struggling with anxiety and also with grief. And they're doing so often in relative isolation. Can you talk about how it is that guided imagery is so helpful in this emotionally charged situation we're in right now? It's particularly good during this, this COVID epidemic because, because it can be used remotely with great ease from a phone, from, from a device, from your computer. And so you can send a lot of weirdly personal feeling 
intervention into the ears, mind, body, spirit of somebody from a distance. That's great. It's almost like, whoa, this is built for this situation. And we've we've been building streaming pages for nurses and first responders and doctors and hospitals who are just at their wits end. And by the way, they don't want more than 10 minutes of anything except when they're trying to fall asleep. Anyway, I think it's good for anxiety, which was another piece of your question, because truly I think it's built into our developmental hardwiring that that we as babies, as toddlers, as three-year-olds, dealt, learned to deal with anxiety by literally incorporating images of comfort, images of our caretaker, our mother, our grandma, our favorite teacher, um, our favorite snack. But people have, have been doing this. It's, it's, so it's, it's in our bones um, to, to use something like this, uh, internalized images that are sensory. To soothe us. I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and can I throw in another thing? Speaking of uh, what, what us humans can do, I also think that imagery affords the wonderful opportunity to include archetypal figures and universal themes and symbols into the imagery. And there's something about that that just pings on everybody it's uh i think it, it that too is built into our hardwiring our response to a certain kind of story or thematic material you know the hero's journey the dark night of the soul rebirth the resurrection and uh, from from being really half destroyed you also incorporate music into your guided imagery. Can you tell us why that's so important? Oh, lots of people. Actually, what people say, as hard as we work on all the wording and phrasing and these magnificent, you know, Jungian thematic material, the things people respond to most are the music and the tone of the voice, pacing, tone of the voice, and breathing. So music is huge. And we even did a test with HIV patients. This was ages ago, with and without the music, to see what, what was more effective. And uh, it was no contest. It was no contest. Without, without the music, the imagery was so much flatter. On the other hand, if you have a person who's very sensitive to music, who either does it by training or <clears throat> just has a huge love for certain kinds of music, it can almost distract them. Can you tell us how you came to all this? How did you first get interested in the the whole idea of guided imagery? I I just was born interested. (laughs) Spacey kid who had my own little dreamy thoughts. I used to wander upstairs to get something and never return. So I always had this love for this, this imaginal stuff. And one day I was with my now 50-year-old son, who at the time was about 12, in a bookstore, and he saw a tape called Win at Sports. It was by David Illig, an Ericksonian hypnotherapist. And uh, he said, Ma, I I want that. Can you buy that for me? He said, sure. And uh, I listened to it. Actually, I didn't listen to it. So he takes it home. My son was an amazing pitcher. He actually had a 
a knuckleball that was killer. And, uh, but he couldn't run because he had flat feet. So that's not a good thing for a pitcher to not be able to scoop up a grounder. So he listens to this tape for about three weeks, comes down the stairs one morning and says, Ma, I swear I'm running better. I am much better at running. My feet are working better. Anyway, so I, that's when I said, give me the tape. I want to listen to what's on the tape. And I noticed as I listened to his tape that I had taken this course on Ericksonian hypnotherapy at Shepherd Pratt. And I'm thinking, this is really good. Anyway, then I really got excited. I thought, this is great. My flat-footed kid is running like Pegasus, and it's this tape here. Then, in order to get the, the, the medical community in Cleveland to help me, I had a psychotherapy practice, which I loved doing, but I decided to start making individual tapes for my clients. I just thought that would be fun. And in fact, we did. And luckily, I was living on a street that had a bazillion doctors that had to face me on the tree lawn every Monday morning when we tossed the trash. So they helped me. They gave me great advice. I had a, um, maybe five different people who were terrifically helpful. One thing I'd like to ask our guests on the show is, given that we're talking about health and prevention and managing stresses and uh, all of the good things we recommend. I'd like to find out if our guest has a vice that they would like to share. Just one? (laughs) (laughs) I've been pondering what's become my worst vice, impatience. I am so impatient. When I was a therapist, you know, doing psychotherapy, maybe uh, sometimes... 10 hours a day, sometimes five. I was really a nice person. It made me so patient and meditative and appreciative of people because that's what I did all day. I just took people in and empathized with them. That was my job. And they paid me for it. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think now that I'm, you know, trying to juggle lots of things and running a business for which I basically have no aptitude, aptitude, but I forced myself to learn. I'm cranky and impatient. Is there guided imagery for that? All of it's for that. (laughs) (laughs) All of it works for that. And in fact, if I think to just pay attention and listen to some myself, it's very effective, I have to say. Belruth, it's wonderful to see your face. Same here. <laughs> thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast. It was a pleasure. And thank you both for doing all the things you do. You've changed medicine in this country. Uh-huh. And Lord knows. It, it needs changing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And now, listeners... Here is a guided imagery that you can practice. Remember, please do not do this while you're driving. Instead, find a calm, quiet place, close your eyes, and fully experience the imagery. Able to feel the energy of this place, forming a gently vibrating cushion of energy all around you softly surrounding and protecting you 
becoming more and more palpable. And inside the cushion, you can feel safe and protected, relaxed and easy, able to take in whatever is nourishing to you, but insulated from whatever you don't want or need. And now, imagining that this cushion of energy is drawing to it all the love and sweetness that has ever been felt for you by anyone at any time. Feeling it pull in all the caring, all the loving kindness that has ever been sent your way. Every prayer and good wish every smile and gesture of gratitude, filling the field of energy around you, pulling it all in like a powerful magnet, calling every good wish home, and so increasing the powerful protective field all around you and perhaps sensing the presence of those who have loved or nurtured you. Those who love you now, or who will love you in the future. Just the ones you want with you. And sensing them around you now. People from your life, alive or long gone, There might even be a special animal standing guard. Dear old friends, visitors, some remembered, some forgotten. Or a grandparent or a powerful ancestor whose banner you've carried. A teacher, a guide, sweet spirits, magical beings, guardian angels. Some familiar, some not, it doesn't matter. Just so you feel their protection and support. You might even catch a fleeting glimpse of somebody. Maybe noticing an old familiar scent or hearing the unique timbre of a dearly loved voice, possibly sensing a presence at your side or just behind you, or feeling the soft weight of a gentle hand. And one might lean in to share some words of encouragement and others might just be there to keep you company, signaling their reassurance and seeing to your well-being. And suddenly you are certain. You know with your whole heart, your whole being, that all is well, that you are surrounded by protection, seen and unseen, with you all the time, whenever you choose to notice or acknowledge their presence 
and that you are better for knowing this. Listeners, this is Dr. Victoria Mazes. We would love for you to send us your questions for Andy, myself, or for our guests. You can call us and leave a voicemail by dialing 520-621-3950. Again, 520-621-3950. Or you can submit a question by going to our website, azcim.org slash podcast. Again, azcim.org slash podcast. We will review your questions and try to answer as many as possible on our programs. Learn more about topics featured on the Body of Wonder podcast and how to apply them to your everyday health with My Wellness Coach, a free mobile app from the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. Download today at mywellnesscoach.arizona.edu. That's mywellnesscoach.arizona.edu.